All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of my booktube. <laughs> I still don't know how to do an intro. It's it's weird. I, I need to write something out. I, I, I don't know how to start these anymore. I, I had a whole like spiel listed when I did the podcast, but with this whole thing, it's, it's weird because I just keep looking at you and looking at myself and I really don't know what to say. But um, but today on, on the channel, I, uh, I have the lovely Andrea Stewart. Um, hello, Andrea. How are you? Hello, I'm good, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're talking a little off air, you know, obviously with with things going on and so forth. But I'm just glad we were able to, to still uh, get a chance to chat and so forth about uh, you know you and your writing career. Um, obviously about your upcoming debut uh, from Orbit called The Bone Shard Daughter, uh, which I was. Uh, Super excited about when it was first announced, and I, I thought it was really neat that, uh, that you came on and did a panel uh, with me a couple of weeks ago uh, on world building, and uh, and now that you're here, and we get to kind of share a little bit more about your debut. So, uh, so thanks again for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, I guess um, I guess we'll kind of start just kind of at, uh, you know, if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, about growing up, kind of how you got into writing. Uh, why you decided to become a writer? <laughs> um, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, well, I actually started writing at a very young age. Um, so what really inspired me actually was uh, I was in uh, fourth grade and our teacher had us do uh, these creative writing assignments. Um, and she really loved mine. And she kind of held it up as an example. And I was like, oh, wow. So I can actually maybe write stories too instead of just reading them. Because uh, I'd always been a very avid reader. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of what started the whole thing. So I started writing stories from there. Um, my dad had an old computer in his basement. <laughs> so he set me up with that, uh, which was like, this is probably this is going to age me but um it was like black screen with like green letters kind of oh man <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah so it was uh it was that and then uh i got upgraded to like his newer old computer later which was like word perfect for dos so i learned how to do some stuff in there and that's actually when i wrote my first manuscript was on that with um the blue screen with like the gray letters. <laughs> and then I, you know, printed up on your little printer that had like, you know, the holes on the side that you, oh, yeah. you know, all the paper lined up. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, I finished that when I was like in middle school and I was so proud of it. <laughs> so I like printed it up and, you know, kind of found it in cardboard and everything. Um, but that's kind of how I started the whole thing. I didn't really start trying to get something published until I was in high school. Uh, and then I started trying to get short stories published. I used to go to the library a lot, like it was like a once a week kind of thing. And um, I don't know if it's still a thing, it's probably not still a thing, but they had those uh, dragon magazines, you know, where it, it was, it's called Dragon. Okay. And <laughs> It was like for people that play D&D, which I didn't have enough friends to do that, <laughs> but they'd always have a short story in there and I'd always read the short story. So um, 
I thought, well, maybe I could just try submitting something there. So I tried a few times and uh, got four rejections. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't stop me. Um, and then I started writing like my first, I tried to write like my first completed book in, um, in college. I mean, I had written that thing that I'd finished in middle school, but it was like, I think 40,000 words is like a middle grade kind of thing. So it wasn't really like a full length book. And right. I had like a lot of false starts. So I finished my first manuscript, um, like epic fantasy in uh, right, I think it's right after I graduated college. Yeah. And I was trying to get like an agent for that and get that published. It was, it's been a really long road. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that um I did not get an agent for that uh I sent out like I think I have the spreadsheet still somewhere I sent out like 80 queries uh I wrote another book and another book another one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it took me a while um and the book that I did get my agent with didn't sell uh, so I wrote another book because that's, I guess, what I've just been accustomed to doing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just keep on writing. <laughs> exactly. And then that one did not sell either. <laughs> that's when I wrote this book. So, I mean, that's like been my whole writing journey. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, like a lot of other fantasy or sci-fi authors, you know, I was a very like nerdy, friendly kid, <laughs> you know. Where you're in the corner reading a book and people are like, who is she? She's so weird. She talk. <laughs> so, I was that like was, that. I didn't even write. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was my experience of growing up. Being the weird uh, nerdy kid in the corner that was always reading a book um, and dreaded being called on by the teacher. <laughs> so, Yeah. I, I can under, I can understand that. I was I was always the kid that sat in the back of the classroom if I could, you know, when we didn't have assigned seating, uh, <laughs> which which took a while because I, I feel like you know even, even when you got in, you know middle school and then maybe early high school, uh, there was enough rowdy you know kids in the bunch that you've grown up with that uh, you always end up having assigned seats within like the first two weeks. So yeah. I was always up front and, you know, always the one as soon as I look up, teacher's like, oh, you need to be called on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just always have to know the answers, even if you don't. Just be like, it, yeah, you got me on that one. I didn't study. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was your what was your first, uh, I guess, your, your first manuscript you did in, uh, in middle school? What was it about? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, so I didn't really know how to relate to people very well back then so <laughs> it was a cast of animals uh it was like the main character was this horse and there was uh the secondary main character was a falcon and they lived in this magical kingdom of magical animals and of course the horse the main character is like the only one that doesn't have like any kind of like magical stuff going on um and they get sent on this journey by the king who is dying to go and find a new king because he doesn't have an heir. So <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the premise of my story. It's, a, it's pretty impressive. I'm not, I'm of not going to lie. Of course. 
I mean, of course, the horse ends up getting magical powers by the end and actually ends up being like the king and that that's what the old king intended all along. Because, you know, it's not about the actual journey. It's the friends you made along the way. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first manuscript. I was very proud of it uh, by the time I finished. Um, I mean, I'm glad that I did finish it. Um, my grandmother passed away when I was in high school. So I'm like, oh, she actually got to like read something of mine. <laughs> Even if it was not very good. <laughs> so... As far as your, uh, you know, books that you've written and you've tried to get, you know, agents for and tried to sell and so forth, have you have you kind of like thought about what you want to do with those? I mean, do you plan on maybe self-publishing them, or is that just something for down the road, or is that just um, they, these are my attempts? I'm going to hold on to this and just be like, this is this is my writing journey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, a couple of them, I kind of wrote. Uh, actually, I, I did self-publish two of them, but they were under like kind of a, an, a pen name and they're very, very different from what I usually write. I was just trying to do something a little bit like maybe, I mean, what I was doing wasn't working at the time. So I was like, well, I'll try like, you know, at the time urban fantasy was popular. So I'm like, oh, I'll try writing like a urban fantasy character and all that and <laughs> solving mysteries. Um, right. So I did self-publish those two. Uh, and then the epic fantasy ones, ah, one of them I ended up putting up on Wattpad like a while ago. Um, Cause I was like, well, I'm never gonna do anything with this. Um, <laughs> might as well. Uh, and it got featured. Such a great attitude like, oh, about it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's the other one too. There's another epic fantasy. Um, oh, there's no. So I'm sorry. There's like there's three three epic fantasies that <laughs> did not make it through the gauntlet. Um, You're just trying to repress this. It's fine. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, it was. A lot. But uh, yeah, so one of them I put on Wattpad. The other two I don't think are gonna see the light of day. It's one of those things where you go back and you read it, and you're like, you know. I could do better now. So I'll probably just cannibalize some of the parts of it for newer stories, like the parts that I gotcha. did like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. What, what the, uh, what's the one that you have up on Wattpad? Oh, it's called Songweaver's Awakening. It's like a. It's like set in this desert country, and the main character is this boy who finds out that he can um, like influence people and their thoughts through his music, but this is like a forbidden magic that he's not even aware is forbidden. So then people start trying to kill him and there's like, uh, there's like the fae folk in it as well. And <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's a lot. Um, it's like multi POV kind of a uh, lot of stuff going on. I'm just bringing it all back. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm fond of it in some ways. I liked the setting um, because, you know, so much of what we read in fantasy is very like Western European medieval. So mm-hmm. it was away from that um, kind of aesthetic, but 
the writing I thought it's like eh, I went back and read some of it. I'm like, well, I'll just put it up and like not look at it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it's out there now. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> it is. And people read it and they seem to like it, which I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then I, I got like uh, messages from people. When are you going to put up the second one? And I'm like, um, mm. <laughs> kind of have it written. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the that one's not going to happen. The second bone shard book is happening, but not there that. You go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So, um, who would uh, who'd you say? I guess were some of your early influences in writing, and then maybe who. Who are some that you have now or continue to have? Um, so I did a lot of losing me a little bit. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, can you hear is me? Your phone? Yeah, oh, okay. I can hear you now. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was just cutting in and out. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, you know, it's like the usual kind of suspects for when you're younger. Like what you get into is um, like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe for fantasy. Um, Lloyd Alexander's uh, Pride and Chronicles. I still love those books. They're amazing. Um, there's a giant cat. I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't love it? Uh, and then, you know, I started reading some of the stuff that my dad had just like on a shelf in the basement, like iRobot from Pierce Anthony, like Dune. Um, as I got older, because I think the first like big epic fantasy that I read was like, um, you know, Robert Jordan, uh, Eye of the World. So I got into, I got really into that for a little while. <laughs> um, but when I was younger, I think like uh, Watership Down, I read like a gazillion times. I love that book. Um, Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle is also incredible. It's, it's one of those books that you read as a kid that you think is wonderful. And then you read later as an adult and you still think it's wonderful, but you're picking up like different nuances and different things about the book. So I think that's one of those books that is timeless in that way. Um, yeah, so Wheel of Time was what got me started into the whole, like, oh, I like epic fantasy, it's amazing. Um, and then, you know, then I hit all your usual suspects. Like there's, uh, I read some Raymond Feist. Um, I've read a little like George R. R. Martin later on. Um, gosh, who else? Brandon Sanderson, uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and then I started to branch out a little more because like that's, you know, those are kind of like your usual suspects. It's like you go and you ask people like, if I want to read epic fantasy, what should I read? And they always suggest the same things, <laughs> which, you know. You mean like Reddit fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, like, you know, Mistborn, Wheel of Time. Malazan. Malazan, which I actually have not, I still have, I have not read that I yet. Either. I haven't either. I have, the whole, I have the whole series and I haven't touched yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear they're quite, like, you know, dense. You can actually so. buy the, uh, I think the, like, an entire omnibus and a Kindle edition is like $70. Mm -hmm. And I can't even remember how many, I think it's like 11,000 pages or something like that. I oh my goodness. That is a lot. It, it, yeah. just, it just sounds like an insurmountable mountain. Like I just don't even want to touch it. <laughs> I think um, that was, it was funny because when I started reading Way of Kings, I actually got it on Kindle first. So I had no idea how long it was. And I'd been reading and I was reading and I looked at like the progress bar and it was like 2%. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, this is a long book. 
I just picked it up because I was a fan of Brandon Sanderson. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, just like don't really. I mean, that's one, I guess, like a benefit sometimes of reading something on a Kindle. So you don't really realize exactly how long it is. And so it's less intimidating. Yeah. It's, it, but it's a little bit of a surprise when you've been reading for an hour and you get nowhere and you felt like you've, you know, just like climbed, you know, Everest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty been there, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Melanie Ron was a big one too. I really loved her books. Um, I mean, I still have like, you did read a lot. Oh gosh. I mean, I could go on like Octavia <laughs> Butler like that. I, I read, have read everything of hers and she is absolutely incredible. I was very sad that I did not discover her work until after she had passed away. Um, because I would have loved to, I don't know, seen her from a distance and like, just been like, oh. <laughs> 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 and then more recently, like NK Jemison is amazing. Like, uh, if anyone out there has not yet read broken earth trilogy, it is. Wow. It's the kind of thing that you read and you're like, well, I'll never be that good. So. <laughs> well, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah, so those are like a lot of uh, authors that I read and kind of really influenced me. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's more. There's more. I can't hey, think of it. I, I'm not going to lie You've given more than I'm pretty sure any other author I've spoken to because everybody says they read a lot growing up but they typically read the same author. So, oh, really? Yeah, and like most of the influence was like, you know, King, and that's like it. Really? <laughs> that's King. it? That's what you read? No, that's not funny because I actually have not read Stephen King yet. Uh, I've At read all? like, no, well, okay, so I started okay. to read, um, I was flipping through like The Shining, I think once, cause, uh, but it wasn't mine. I was, I think it was my brother's or something, but, so I couldn't take it with me. <laughs> that's that's as far as I got. But I've heard wonderful things, and I it's right. you know, TBR list, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things. There's always a story for every individual. I mean, they're they're all different. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you've got your fantasy, you've got your horror, you've got science fiction. I mean, you just kind of have to grab something if it grabs you. Good if it doesn't. There's there's a lot of a library left. So there is, there is. Oh goodness, yeah, I, yeah. That's like the other day you were, you were talking about reading Sanderson. I uh, I've got a author. He's got he's got a his magnum opus is basically what we're calling it coming out next year. It's his kind of uh, uh, coming of age uh, kind of kind of like a boy's life or it you know uh, kind of story. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's really long. It's almost 200,000 words. And I go, that, that is pretty long. You know, whatever. You know, I've, I've read books that are that big. And then I got, <laughs> got the art, the ER to put it on my Kindle. And, uh, and I, I look at, like, the the location you're at in the book. And when it said 11,000, that's when it really hit me that it was going to take a while to read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you look at something like, you know, George R. R. Martin's books, and I think those are, those are over 200,000 words. They're quite yeah. hefty. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think uh, I think even the first one's like eleven or twelve hundred pages. 
Yeah. Um, and I think they just continue to get bigger. So Yeah, it's funny because like when people talk about like, oh, well, why isn't his next book out and everything? I'm like, you know, like he's writing like four to five books like, <laughs> with the, <laughs> the length of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, it, and it's not like he's not releasing anything. I mean, he's at least got one or two books every year coming out. It's just that's not the one everybody is looking for. And then he gives oh. something else. He's like, oh, it's pretty good. You know, it'll tie me over for a month and then I'm back on the on the forums complaining so <laughs> <laughs> well i'm always gonna feel sympathetic so. right yeah yeah i i feel i feel like authors have all the sympathy and readers don't i think that's i think that's the problem yeah well i understand it is hard to wait as a reader for the next book to come out especially you know if you really want to know what's been what's happening with the characters and you care about them i mean on the other hand, it is kind of like the mark of a good author that you care that much and you do want to read the next one. So exactly, yeah. I'm, and you know, people are probably looking at it as like, "Gosh, he's been writing these for so many years, and he's got to be done with it by now." I mean, da, da, da. I'm just like, you know, he's trying to perfect it, make sure it's great. Because and and probably also he's trying to let like the end of the of the show like kind of kind of get brushed into the rug again so everybody kind of forgets about that ending and be like okay now now i have the good stuff you know so. which you know I, I thought the end was okay but yeah it is what it is it is what it is <laughs> it's over now we can't change it yeah. um so uh to me a little bit about your writing process obviously since you've been writing for a while now uh since middle school which a lot of a lot of authors honestly haven't even told me that usually they didn't start until a little bit later um, but kind of how has it how has it changed since that first you know manuscript besides you know how your computer has changed and, oh, and uh, changed. How, how technology <laughs> has changed <laughs> i mean do you you know and would you consider yourself you know more of a plotter or do you consider yourself a pantser now oh i'm definitely a plotter so when i started out writing um i didn't even know what it meant to be a plotter <laughs> You know, I just thought, ah, I read a bunch of stuff and, you know, they don't have the internet back then, so you're not going to be looking up, like, how to write a book. So back then I just tried to pants everything, which is probably why I didn't finish a book for a while. Um, past that, like, first middle school manuscript, uh, I had a lot of starts and stops. So it wasn't until I started writing that book in college that I realized, like, I need to have a plan and I need to know where this is going to go and I need to know where this ends because otherwise I'm not going to know how to finish it. <laughs> so I definitely sit down and plot things now. Um, usually what happens is I'll have an idea for a book and I'll start like jotting some things down um, and then I'll start writing like maybe like a chapter or two just to get the feel for what the world is like and what the voices are like and what the characters are like. And then once I kind of feel like I have that and I've done like some background, like jotting down of, oh, this is what the world is like and these are the characters and everything, then I'll sit down and actually do a chapter by chapter outline. Um, so for multi POV stuff, I usually split it by POV. So I'll do, if I know like these are the POVs that are happening then I'll do each POV like one at a time kind of thing where I'll go through and um, plan out their chapters as far as um, what their whole arc is gonna look like from beginning to end and I'll do that for each of the POVs and then I'll go and like move them around 
so that it makes more sense like chronologically and with like everything that's happening in the other chapters um and then you know make any kind of refinements from there and then i start writing it <laughs> so that's that's kind of my process now um i found it to be one of those things where uh it's constantly adjusting just depending on the book and depending on how solid i am on the details um mm -hmm. i always think that oh i have it down and then the next thing i know i'm spiraling like what was i thinking about this plot point this doesn't make any sense and i have to go and like fix something or do something out of order <laughs> so yeah so that's kind of i would say my basic process for writing a book so do you <laughs> Do do you uh do you have like a, a lot of like you know, like fields notes journals that you write all this stuff down? Do you uh do you yeah. use uh I guess writing software like Scribner or do you have like yeah, a whiteboard so you, that you just got a bunch oh of gosh. writing down? No, I, <laughs> I'm like I'm disorganized as it is, so um, <laughs> that would be a disaster. No, I do use Scribner, which has been really helpful. Uh, I was one of those people that I resisted using Scribner for the longest time because I was like. Oh, I heard there's a bit of a learning curve and I didn't want to have to like invest the time to try to figure it out. But it actually is fairly intuitive. I watched like a couple of YouTube videos about how to use it. And I found it to be really helpful in organizing my thoughts and organizing what's going on with the world. Um, I, I have found that the more complicated that things get with the world and the further along I get in this trilogy, um, I did start a wiki, which I've found to actually be a lot of help in organizing things. Because the thing is with Scrivener, it's really nice to be able to have your documents where you're like characters, history, economy, and have your notes written down in there. I know some people use things like journals while they're, where they write things down by hand. Um, for me though, I find that difficult to go back and actually find the information that I'm looking for. <laughs> Even even in Scrivener, where I have things labeled, sometimes like there are things that are um, they're kind of like they should fit under maybe one or two of those topics. So I have difficulty remembering which one it's actually in. Um, so with the wiki, I found that it's very helpful using that stuff, and then you can link to each of those different articles from your one article. So if you have like, so if I had like the one about like the empire, and then I have like. So stuff about the islands then i have a link there to this is my document about the islands and under that one there's documents about each of the individual islands like things like that so <laughs> i've definitely found that useful to go back and try to remember what exactly i had named things or what <laughs> process people were using in the story to do whatever it's just I think when you're trying to create a whole world and you're trying to make it feel real, it's it's a huge undertaking to remember everything that's going on in it. Oh, yeah, it's impossible. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, especially when you're not just writing one book. I mean, when you're trying to span it, you know, to a third book, and depending on, you know, when it was you finished book one, and now you're on book three, and you're like, crap, I have to remember what happened and who is still there and what did they do last? And 
Now, as as far as the wiki goes, I mean, that's something that's I guess open to the public, right? Like people. Can, oh no, it's just see that. Oh, it's just you. <laughs> what would that be? Something that you that you would post that people can kind of reference stuff. I don't know. Point? Maybe maybe someday when all three books are done, um, because obviously it's very very heavy right now. Because mm-hmm. yeah, there's. Um, a lot of like like world secrets and things that um, you don't really find out till second or third book. So, yeah. And then I'd probably have to go and like label things as spoilers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on what I'm doing at the time, I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm I one of those you. people that that I think like, oh, that would be a really cool thing to do, and I should do that. And then I realize that there's like only 24 hours in a day, and you're sleeping for eight of those. So. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, it's, it's only going to become, you know, more challenging with a little one on the way and, and all that stuff. So I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. That's going to be fun. It'll be a challenge, but, um, I like making my life complicated apparently. So. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my wife says the same thing about me. Cause, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I take this full-time job on, I've got, um, Kind of a side job as a real estate agent, which I haven't been doing a whole lot obviously since COVID happened. Um, and then you've got book review blog, and then I was like, I'm going to start a podcast, and I did that, and then I did the con, and now I'm just deciding to do books too. I'm like, what else can I spread myself thin with? <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh yeah, let's have a baby. So yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, It'll be rough yeah. for a little while, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, especially as you're, as you're, you know, you and your baby are kind of filling each other out. You're like, all right, are we, are we going to get some sleep? Are we not? Are we actually going to have a schedule? Yeah. It's, I, I, we're, we're excited about it and we're anxious about it, but at the same time we're like, Ooh, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you can't really predict it either. I think, I think some no. babies tend to be easier and some are harder. So yeah. Yeah. Cause you get, you know, you get all the, like the horror stories on one side you get, Oh, my baby was great on the other side. You kind of see how your friends raise their kids. Cause we've got several like friend groups where, you know, a lot of them have, you know, kids like under five and, and even younger. And we're like, all right, so we're not going to do that. Uh, we might try that. We'll see. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's it's kind of like trial runs. You can see how other people do their do their stuff and be like, all right, let's go take some notes. <laughs> now we'll say you've uh you, you've got some some competition at your house though because I've been seeing uh, the video posts and stuff about your cats wanting to play with all the new stuff. So, oh yeah. Uh, that, so your so your child's gonna have some some competition. <laughs> oh goodness. Um. Yeah. That's that's gonna be fun. Uh. So basically when my um, previous cat passed away, um, he was, he was 16 and my husband and I, well, let's get another kitten. And then we decided that we should get two kittens and then we each picked one. (laughs) So he, he wanted a Maine Coon. So we got a Maine Coon and they're very, um, they're very laid back. Like half the time, I don't even know where she is, you know, yeah. <laughs> cause she's sleeping somewhere and she's just very relaxed. And then I wanted a Savannah, which, uh, they're kind of extra. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had to run them around before, um, I got on this live stream because I wanted to make sure he was going to sleep. <laughs> Cause he's very, he's like, as my husband describes like a, 
puppy toddler like monkey thing <laughs> yeah so he gets in everything and he's very energetic and he needs a lot of attention so it's gonna be interesting i think uh he's very very good with small kids but he's never seen a baby before yeah <laughs> so, it's one of those things where i think like it's going to be hell for like the first year or so maybe um and then when the kid becomes a bit more interactive then it's going to be a lot more fun like they'll keep each other occupied that's kind of like my hope my husband right. says i'm like the lady that swallowed a spider to eat the fly but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see yeah it's like uh Knock on wood. yeah exactly we read some stuff about um like you know getting your your pets kind of used to like sense and so forth and some of us the other day we, we we've got a almost a two-year-old corgi that we adopted last year and uh, we're like all right well she's gonna be the one that's kind of out for the majority of the time and she's and she's very petite so we're like oh she'll be all right with it so we decided to try with like a stuffed bear and we grabbed a diaper just so she could get the scent and stuff well the thing is she was smelling the diaper and she was very curious and then she started to kind of like lick the diaper a little bit and then try to bite it. And so we kind of be like, no, no don't, you know, don't do that. Well, the next thing you know, we say no on that. And then she goes and bites the leg on the bear. And I go, oh, this is not a good precursor, you know, kind of thing. But I, but, but I kept telling her, I was like, look, I was like, I was like Rachel, it, it's a toy. She thinks it's for her. So I don't yeah. think she's going to bite the baby. But <laughs> I was like, but if we put her in the swing, she'll never go near her. So don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to be. Cause you know, like I said, you, you hear all those contradicting stories about how, you know, they, you know, other people raise their kids and stuff. I'm like, we're just going to have to learn as we go. Uh, we're already not getting a whole ton of sleep. So, you know, we're kind of used to that by now <laughs> and we're used to keeping ourselves busy. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I see other authors have, have kids. So I'm like, okay, well it's been done before. <laughs> so. It's not like you're breaking new ground. <laughs> right. Right. I always uh, have to remember so that somebody else did it. You know, I could do it too. I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your upcoming debut from Orbit called The Bone Shard Daughter, which is the first book in the Drowning Empire. Um, so first off, uh, how excited were you when you saw the cover? Because uh, it's flat out gorgeous. <laughs> well, first they sent me um, a sketch and even the sketch I was just blown away by it was it, it's incredible um they sent me also like a couple of the reference photos that the artist was using and um some of it was like the some chinese carvings and ivory and it really reminds me a lot of this chest that um my parents have in their room um that uh it's got all of those kinds of carvings on it and i used to play with it when i was a kid so it's got like you know the buildings and then the landscape with the trees and everything and it's like oh man it's just like somebody was reading my mind or something so yeah i mean seeing the cover was incredible it's always a moment that i think makes it feel a lot more real mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm still like not quite but um you know I think it's happening. It's happening. So, <laughs> yeah. 
But say, it'll probably feel real once you actually, because you haven't gotten any author copies in yet, have you? I just did, actually. Oh, did you really? So Yeah, so I, this, that's like the um, advanced reading copy. So it's like this one's paperback. Um, but it's, it's, it's physical. I know, I, I can touch it. It's, it's got like my picture in it. Um, is that weird? <laughs> it is very strange. It's very strange, especially since it's um, something that I have been you know, dreaming about since I was a kid. And <laughs> it took a lot longer than I thought it would. It was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be, but I made it. <laughs> now it's like a sense of relief, right? You're just like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> well, I mean, I always knew because I'd gone and read, you know, other authors' accounts of getting their first deal and um, what happened from there and everything. I always knew that, it was going to be one of those things where it's great, but the work doesn't stop there, right? It's you're always like climbing another mountain. <laughs> so you get to the top of the one mountain, and then you look, and there's like another mountain there. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, but so it's a little bit of a relief. So you can like you know sit for a second and be like, wow, what an amazing view, <laughs> and right. then you gotta <laughs> start going up the next one. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like that last day on vacation where the weather's perfect and you're just looking at everyone and you're like, now I got to go home. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to start all over again. <laughs> right, right. You don't have, you don't get to stop writing books, right? <laughs> Not that you'd want to, but yeah. You can't, you can't just one and done and be like, all right, one hit wonder. I'm, I'm good. Right, right. And especially, I mean, I guess you really could. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just them all into one. There's two more two more uh books of story to finish. So, yeah, I think that was one of the things I started thinking about pretty quickly. I mean, especially um when you do go out on submission, usually uh publishers will want to know if you're trying to sell this as a trilogy, what are you going to do with the next two books? So pretty much immediately I was like writing up little like synopses of this is like what's going to happen and what the characters are going to deal with. So yeah, but the this whole process has been incredible. It is definitely like beyond my wildest dreams, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, you've got a pretty great publisher. I mean, Orbit's, Orbit's been kind of, I feel like one of the, you know, one of the absolute leaders in fantasy and science fiction for the past couple of years. And they, from what I can tell, I mean, they love their authors. They love the books they push out. And I mean, they're, they're always kind of, I feel like a step above as far as promoting and so forth. So, I mean, kind of couldn't, uh, I, mean, you, I mean, you can maybe say that you could have landed somewhere better, but I mean, honestly, I, I think you landed in the perfect spot. I was very happy with, with orbit. Yeah. Um, I had the, good fortune to get more than one offer. Um, and I was very, very, very happy to land with Orbit. Like, I feel like when you, when you're young, you kind of look at professions and businesses and you're like, oh, you know, someday I'll be like that. I'll have it all together. And then you get older and you realize like, nobody's actually really got it together. <laughs> but Orbit is one of those few places, I think. They actually have it all together. Like they are really on top of things. So yeah. I'm very happy. 
Absolutely. So can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what we can expect in the Bone Shard Daughter uh, since we, you know, still have a few months for, for at least us peons to be able to read it? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, <laughs> I did not prep a whole like summary. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's set in, in an empire of like uh, many islands and uh, the emperor's rule is failing. He keeps control over uh, the islands using these uh, monstrous constructs. And these constructs are powered basically by um, shards of bone that he collects from his citizens. And that actually uh, drains their life a little bit. So uh, basically his rule is failing, a revolution is starting uh, there's a couple of um, main, main characters that we follow through the book. There's Lynn, who is his daughter, and he's basically refusing to name her as his heir because she um, has these gaps in her memory. Um, and then there's another main character, main, main character, because there's more main characters. <laughs> but <laughs> another one is Jovis, who is a smuggler, and he kind of gets caught up with um, this revolution that is happening at the same time, this rebellion. So that kind of describes a little bit about, <laughs> I have to get better at this. <laughs> no, you're fine, you're, you're completely fine, it puts you on the spot. I feel like I did that little mayday comment too. <laughs> you know, it's not really like putting me on the spot because I should, I should have this down by now. I should. Yeah. Look, we'll blame it. We'll blame it on uh, the coronavirus. It's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. it's very distracting. <laughs> um, so, as far as far as your debut, um, you know, do you do you have any maybe authors or books maybe here recently in the in the fantasy realm that you would not really like direct compare it to, but like, you know, if you like so-and-so, you may like my works. I mean, I know obviously Alex Harrow did a blurb uh, for it, which, you know, she wrote 10,000 Doors January. Uh, and it's got her newest one coming out uh, later this year from Red Hook. So just thoughts. Um, well, okay. So I'm going to like basically kind of defer to Orbit here because they made some comparisons. So I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Um, so they make comparisons to um, R.F. Quang's uh, Poppy War and also um, Brandon Sanderson and um, S.H. Chakraborty. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Um, I don't know. It's close enough. <laughs> uh, uh, City of Brass, I think it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So th those are the comparisons that they had. Pretty good comparisons. Yes, yeah, like oh, I'm very pleased with those. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, I know we had talked a little bit before we came on to chat, but um, you know, we had talked about if you wanted to do a reading, and you said that uh, you wanted to read a little bit from chapter two. Is that right? Yeah. So um, I I know that chapter one is basically online and available for people to read um, uh, on io9. So I thought maybe I could read. A little bit of chapter two <laughs> so absolutely so take take a second if, if just let me know when you're ready and uh it's all yours okay so i'm gonna read from this one that i just received because <laughs> it's real now um, so just just to preface um 
this is uh, Jovis's point of view. And um, this is first person and he is a man and I am not. So just pretend for a second because I know they say don't read first person from the different gender of yourself because it's confusing to people. So this is a man. Okay, Jovis, Deerhead Island. I hoped this was one of my smaller mistakes. I tugged at the hem of my jack of the jacket. The sleeves were too short, the waist too roomy, the shoulders just a bit too broad. I sniffed the collar. The musky star anise perfume went straight up my nose, making me cough. If you're trying to attract a partner with that, best try a little less, I said. It was a good piece of advice, but the soldier at my feet didn't respond. Is it still talking to oneself if the other person is unconscious? Well, uniform fit enough, and enough is what I could hope for most days. I had two full standard boxes of Whitstone on my boat, enough to pay my debts, enough to eat well for three months, enough to get my boat from one end of the Phoenix Empire to the other. But enough would never get me what I truly needed. I'd heard a rumor at the docks, a whisper of a disappearance similar to my Amala's, and I'd be cursing myself the rest of my life if I didn't suffer. I slipped from the alleyway, resisting the urge to tug at the jacket hem once more. Nodded to another soldier when I passed her in the street, let out my breath when she nodded back and turned away. I had not checked the yearly tithing festival schedule before stopping, and because luck rarely worked out in my favor, this meant, of course, the festival was here. Deerhead Island was swarming with the emperor's soldiers, and here I was, a trader without an imperial contract who'd had more than one run-in with empire's soldiers. I held the edge of my sleeve in my fingers as I navigated the streets. I'd gotten the rabbit tattoo when I'd passed the navigational exams. It was less pride and more practicality. How else would they identify my swollen and bloated body if I washed ashore? But now, as a smuggler, the tattoo was a liability. That and my face. They'd gotten the jawline wrong on the posters, the eyes were too close together, and I'd cut my curling hair short since then, but I was a likeness. I'd been paying gutter orphans to take them down, but then five days later, I'd see some damned construct putting another one back up. It was a shame that Imperial uniforms didn't come with hats. I should have taken my whetstone and fled, but Amala was a string in my heart that fate couldn't seem to stop tugging. So I set my feet one in front of the other and did my best to appear as bland and blank as possible. The men at the docks had said the disappearance was recent, so the trail was still fresh. I didn't have much time. The soldier hadn't seen me before I clobbered him, but he'd patched a section of the left elbow and he'd recognize The street narrowed ahead, sunlight filtered down through gaps between the buildings and laundry hung to dry. Someone inside called out, don't keep me waiting. How long does it take to put on a pair of shoes? I wasn't far from the ocean, so the air still smelled like seaweed, mingled with cooked meat and hot oil. They'd be preparing their children for the festival and preparing the festival meal for when their children returned. Good food couldn't heal wounds of body and soul, but it could soothe them. My mother had prepared a feast for my tray panning day. Roasted duck with crisp skin, grilled vegetables, fragrant and spiced rice, fish with the sauce still bubbling. I'd had to dry my tears before eating it. But that was a time long past for me. The scar behind my right ear long since healed. I ducked beneath a shirt hung too low and still damp and found the drinking hall the man at the docks had described. The door creaked as I opened it, scraping a well-worn path along the wooden floorboards. This early in the morning, it should have been empty. Instead, Imperial guards lurked in dusty corners, dried fish hanging from the ceiling. I made my way to the back, my shoulder against the wall, my wrist hidden by my thigh, my head down. 
if I had been a better planner, I'd have wrapped the tattoo. Oh, well. my face was a bigger problem and I couldn't wrap that. A woman stood behind the counter, her broad back to me, hair tied up in a handkerchief with a few loose strands stuck to her neck. She hunched over a wooden cutting board, her fingers nimbly pleating dumplings. Auntie, I said to her, deferential. She didn't turn around. Don't call me that, she said. I'm not old enough to be anyone's auntie except to children. She wiped her flowered hands on her apron, sighed. What can I get for you? I wanted to talk, I said. She turned around then and gave my uniform a long look. I don't think she even glanced at my face. I sent my nephew along to the square already. The censor, census takers would have marked him by now. Is that what you're for? You're Danila, right? I have questions about your foster daughter, I said. Her face closed up. I've reported everything I know. I knew the reception she'd received upon her report because Amala's parents had gotten the same. The shrugged shoulders, the annoyed expressions. Young women ran away sometimes, didn't they? And besides, what did they expect the emperor to do about it? Just leave me in peace, she said before turning back to her dumplings. That soldier in the alleyway might be waking up right now with a splitting headache and a good many questions on his lips. But Amala, her name chased itself around my head, spurring me to action. I slid around the end of the counter and joined Danila at the cutting board. Without waiting for any sort of approval, I picked up the wrappings and the filling and began to pleat. After a startled moment, she began again. Behind us, two soldiers bet on their game of cards. You're good, she begrudged me. Very neat, very quick. My mother, she was, is a cook. I shook my head with a rueful smile. It had been so long since I'd been home. Another life, almost. Makes the best dumplings in all the aisles. I ran about a lot, sailing and studying for the navigational exams, but I always liked to help her, even after I passed. If you pass the navigational exams, why are you a soldier? I weighed my options. Good liar. The best. It was the only reason I still had a head on my shoulders. But this woman reminded me of my mother, gruff but kind-hearted, and I had a missing wife to find. I'm not. I slid my sleeve up enough to show the rabbit tattoo. Danila looked at the tattoo and then at my face. Her eyes narrowed, then widened. Jovis, she said in a whisper, you're that smuggler. I'd prefer most successful smuggler in the last 100 years, but I'll settle for that smuggler. She snorted. Depends on how you define success. Your mother wouldn't think so, I'd guess. You're probably right, I said lightly. It would deeply pain her to know how far I'd fallen. Danilo relaxed, her shoulder now touching mine, her expression softer. She wouldn't give me away. It just wasn't the sort. I need to ask about your foster daughter, how she disappeared. There isn't much to tell, she said. She was here one day and then gone the next. 19 silver coins left on her bedspread as though a silver phoenix was all a year of her life was worth. It was two days ago. I keep thinking she'll walk back in the door. She wouldn't. I knew because I'd thought the same for a year. I could still see the 19 silver coins scattered across Amala's bed, could still feel my heart pounding, my stomach twisting, caught in that moment of both knowing she was gone and not being able to believe it. So she was a bright young woman, Danila said, a quaver in her voice. She struck the tears from her eyes before they could reach her cheeks. Her mother died in a mining accident. And she didn't know her father. I never married, never had any children of my own. I took her in. I needed someone to help. Was. The word thudded from my mouth. I couldn't form the question. Daniela picked up another wrap and studied my face. I may not be old enough to be your auntie, but to me, you are still a boy. If the Empire had anything to do with her disappearance, 
she's already dead. I have never been in love. We never met as children. We never became friends. I never took the chance, never kissed her. I never came back from Imperial Island. I told myself the lie over and over. Even so, my mind layered on top her teasing smile, how she rolled her eyes when I made up a particularly silly story, the way she leaned her head onto my shoulder and sighed. But I needed to believe the lie because every time I thought about living the rest of my life without her, panic fluttered up my chest and wrapped itself around my throat. I swallowed. Did you look for her? Did you find any? Of course I looked, she said. I asked around. One of the fishermen said they saw a boat leave early that morning, not from the docks, but from a nearby cove. It was small, dark, and had blue sails. It went east. That's all I know. It was the boat I'd seen the morning Amala had disappeared, rounding the edge of the island, the mist so thick I wasn't sure I'd seen it at all. In four years, this was the best lead I had. If I was quick, I might be able to catch one of the soldiers in the hall laughed, another groaned, and cards hit the table. Chairs scraped against the floor as they rose. It was a good game. A beam of sunlight warmed the back of my neck as they opened the door. Hey, you, you coming with us? The captain will bite your head off if you're late. No one answered, and I remembered the soldier's jacket I wore. He was talking to me. Danila seized my wrist, the one with the tattoo. Both her voice and her grip were intractable as tree roots. I've done you a favor, Jovis. Now I need a favor of you. Oh no, favors? We didn't speak of favors. She talked over me and I heard footsteps approaching from behind. I have a nephew. He lives on a small aisle just east of here. If I have it right, you'll be headed in that direction anyways. Take him before the ritual, get him back to his parents. He's their only child. I'm not one of the shardless few. I don't smuggle children, I hissed. It's not ethical or profitable. I tried her grip and found her strength greater than mine. Do it. By the sound of the footsteps behind me, there was only one soldier. I could handle him. I could lie my way out of this. But after all these years, I still remembered the trickle of blood from my scalp running down my neck. The cold touch of the chisel against my skin. The wound felt like fire. The emperor says that the tithing festival is a small price to pay for the safety of us all. It didn't feel like so small a price when it was your head bowed and your knees digging into the ground. I am hardened to the suffering of others. Another lie I told myself because I couldn't save everyone. I hadn't been able to even save my own brother. If I thought too much on all the suffering, all the people I couldn't help, I felt like I was drowning in the endless sea itself. I couldn't carry that weight. Mostly this worked, but not today. Today I thought of my mother, her hands on each side of my face. But what is the truth, Jovis? The truth was that someone had saved me. Sometimes one is enough. I'll take him, I said. I was a fool. So. Hey, very nice. <laughs> so that's the beginning of chapter two. <laughs> and like you said, yeah, IO9's got chapter one uh, if you guys want to go search it out. But uh, Bone Shard Daughter comes out uh, on Kindle, hardcover, and audiobook on September 8th, correct? Yes, in the US. U.S., yes. uh, Canada, I know it's September 8th. Um, U.K. is September 10th. Oh, hey, two days. Be high, I know. Right? <laughs> yeah, if, I, I guess all U.K. Uh, releases are on Thursdays, or at least I felt it's that way. 
Oh, is it? I, you know, I, I don't have I much so. experience with this. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I've noticed like Gallant's releases are on Thursdays because like Jeremy Zoll's release is, is hitting Thursday instead of Tuesday. Oh, that's Tuesday. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. That, I'm excited for his maybe book. That's the thing. I know. Yeah, it's gonna be great. So, uh, but but uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. It's uh, it's been a pleasure oh, talking to you. Thank you so I, I really, much for having me on. Absolutely, I really enjoyed talking to you during Mayday Con. I kind of wanted to do one on one. So, <laughs> I, I, I've, had, I've had all those other people on here. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that you're doing that. Really great, especially yeah, like nowadays when we can't, you know, get together at a con or anything. So. And who knows if we'll be able to again, unfortunately. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, just cross his fingers for sure. Um, but just, just thank you so much. I, I really appreciate uh, you know you coming on, and I, and I know I can. I don't. I'm, I'm sure I can speak for everybody. We're all looking forward to your debut, and uh, we can't be more excited and happy for you uh, about this opportunity you've got. And uh, and and yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, so some of us could get some early reviews out for you so we can get you some more books sold. And uh, That would be amazing. And, and <laughs> I'm absolutely. very excited for the release of this. So. <laughs> well, awesome. Except for the well, fact that, you know, my I have to finish my second book. So Right, yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, the things that come with, you know, the first book being published. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just, don't, just don't pull a Nick Martell where you wait till, like, the last day to get your oh. Oh no, my my rough draft is actually finished already for second book. I just need to do revisions and then hand it in. So fantastic. Well, awesome. Well, um, just thanks again, and we'll uh, well maybe we'll try to do this again for book two if uh, if we're not able to do in person stuff by that point. <laughs> I would love that. Fantastic. Well, you enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you.